What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Quiet Part Loud podcast. Uh, my name's Daryl. I'm the host of this thing, as always, and this is episode 147. First show back last week went okay. Went a little longer than expected, but uh, lost track of time and was just speaking on it, and it was just good to be back. So uh, for everybody that has listened, the engagement's been really good. Been really happy and surprised to see um, that effectively the engagement has picked up right where it left off sort of eight, nine months ago. So thank you for uh, engaging with us on that. I hope you found the show informative, and if not informative, at least somewhat entertaining. Uh, today, for episode 147, we're going to be talking about three things. Uh, one, we're going to be talking about OnlyFans. And with that, I want to go into some of the, I guess, uh, maybe a deeper dive into sort of media advertising, uh, how brands are, how they are perceived to be, what's truly going on there, et cetera. Uh, the second thing I, I want to talk about is ivermectin. For anybody that doesn't know what ivermectin is right now, hang tight. We're going to tie this into the recent news that Joe Rogan came out with a couple of days ago, uh, announcing that he had COVID and how that all ties in, plus sort of some of the commentary that I've seen around it um, from my own sort of personal social network group and the wider media landscape as well and then third i have a confession to make and i'm not going to say what the confession is stick around and uh yeah for those of you that interact with me more regularly you won't even uh know this um there's probably three people in total that know to date um what i'm about to confess and it's really embarrassing, but uh, it's going to be cathartic and pose a, somewhat of a, I guess, a warning to others. So let's get right into it. So the first thing I want to talk about is the fact that you can follow us on Twitter, you can follow us on SoundCloud, you can follow us on Spotify, and you can follow us on YouTube. It's always either the quiet part loud, or it's quiet part loud. So uh, have a look around, and uh, and if you're interested, you'll uh, you'll be able to find us. Okay, so business out of the way, summary, table of contents out of the way. Let's get into it. So the first thing I want to talk about is OnlyFans. OnlyFans, and this story for most people is is a little old now. It's a couple of weeks old, um, but obviously OnlyFans announced that they were going to be banning all explicit content, all adult sexual content from the platform. And if you know anything about OnlyFans, you know that that's probably about 98% of their entire content. The makeup of their content is effectively porn or a shop window for porn stars who pose it as, as escorts or you know nude models whatever right but it's, it's all of that sort of thing it's a marketplace uh for for for, for girls who you know want to put themselves on sale so uh, obviously brands didn't want to align with that sort of content 
So they tried to use their influence and almost did successfully get OnlyFans to remove what was the whole foundation of their platform, right? Without the sexually explicit content on OnlyFans, there is no OnlyFans. What are you going to do? You're going to pay somebody, some random fitness, quote unquote, fitness guru and follow them just because they were like, you know, skimpy workout gear. And, you know, maybe that's for some people. I'm sure those people have tons of followers, but the top 1% of earners on OnlyFans were girls getting their tits out, you know, <laughs> or being more explicit. Um, and so the move made no sense from a fundamental point of view as to how the platform, you know, currently makes money, currently, you know, develops traffic and holds traffic. And that's the appeal to advertisers. They want the audience and they want the data from the audience. But these advertisers, because they're so one foot in and one foot out and pretending to be something that they're not, they have to appear like they have a problem with salacious material and don't want to align with it, which is garbage, right? Because all they're after is audience, numbers, engagement, and the data that goes behind that so it can inform future decisions, future campaigns, behavioral motivations, behavioral actions, etc. So the idea that an advertiser would come to OnlyFans and say, we're not going to advertise on your platform because of the sexually explicit material. I understand that, but it's not genuine, right? Because again, what they want is they want the numbers. And without the explicit content, you don't have the numbers, which makes OnlyFans nil and void in terms of a monetization platform, in terms of uh, anything that advertisers or brands would sink their teeth into. They're just not going to do it, right? It's critical mass. And, uh, and without the porn on OnlyFans, they don't have any mass at all. They have a bunch of weirdos that just want to charge for, you know, niche things. I mean, let me get me, don't get me wrong. I've never deep dived into OnlyFans' audience. I know it for what everybody else knows it for. So anyways, the CEO of OnlyFans said, you know what? You're right. These advertisers and these brands are right. We got we to gotta kill that. But quickly realized how he didn't realize this before is beyond me, but quickly realized that this was a terrible decision. And um, without the explicit content, he had no platform. And without any explicit content, you don't get any tips. You don't get any revenue. You don't get, you know, ad revenue from the advertisers that are willing to associate with you. You know, you don't get all of this income that you've become quickly uh, very comfortable with and, and reliant on. But he made the decision to say, no, we're banning explicit content. Now, obviously, the kickback was immense for this. And the reality of the situation was put forward to him as to what a stupid move this was. And he quickly reversed decisions. That's all fine. I guess, to a degree, because ultimately this is what companies do, right? They say, we're going to take a decision because it's, it's, it's ethical, it's moral, it's, it's, it's what we believe in, it's what we should stand for. But then as soon as, the, as, soon as they realize that the, that the purse strings are going to get hurt, all that morality shit goes out the window, right? These guys were all like moral crusaders a week ago saying, you know what, this is best, it's, it's, you know, it's best for the platform and, and the content that we want on here, this is not it. Well, what you want from the platform is money. That's why you built it. You didn't build a tipping website 
for people who do woodworking, right? Or crocheting, right? That's not what OnlyFans was for. OnlyFans was born to allow women a way to earn money and dudes too during the pandemic, right? When they couldn't do anything else, couldn't get together face to face. People were focusing on other things. So they had to launch this and good on them. Good on them. It's made a shit ton of money, but don't pretend you're this moral crusader when you're not. What you were looking for was a potential avenue to more money because it's the same with these advertisers and these brands, right? Everybody claims to be woke. Everybody claims to be moral, morally superior. But when it comes right down to it, they lack the courage of their convictions because they go where the money is. They go where the clicks are. And because wokeness was trending, all of these brands packed up and walked over to that side, right? We saw Gillette do it, like any number of brands you want to mention. Nike have done it, right? It doesn't land well. It lands well with a very small portion of the population who are generally out of their fucking minds anyways, because the stuff that they believe in, the stuff that they uh, propose and are proponents of doesn't make any sense. Historically, it's bankrupt as an idea because we've gone through, you know, what this wokeness, this ultra progressivism gets you. And ultimately it goes to Marxism. And we talked about that on the last episode. But all these brands, they quickly hot step over to whatever's fashionable. The NBA have done it, right? LeBron James has done it. He won't criticize China, but he'll criticize anybody uh, that has a problem with BLM or Black Lives Matter, or at least he did until he realized the error of his ways and until he was called out for his absolute hypocrisy. Because there's no problem with LeBron wearing Nikes that are made in a sweatshop in China, right? There's no problem with them having the TV rights for the NBA in China, even though there's a Uyghur uh, genocide happening, right? Even though they, the CCP are in the throes of developing probably the last elements of a complete social authoritarianism society, right? Social scoring, all the stuff we touched on, you know, in previous shows and in the last episode as well. But ultimately, they're walking all of their citizens towards complete digital authoritarianism, where everything is tracked, all your movements are known, all your behaviors are, are, are sort of checked, all of everything is within the sphere of surveillance. LeBron James had no problem doing business with China and not criticizing anything going on in the country, but he'll talk about how black people are getting mowed down by the police in America at historically high rates, which again, factually just is untrue. So again, it's just funny that these advertisers, you know, how quickly they walk over to a trend, but how quickly they walk back when it's not good for their bottom line. And everybody should be aware of this because these brands care nothing about the causes that they pretend to support. It's about eyeballs, it's about clicks, and it's about moving product. That's all it is. So, of course, OnlyFans walked it back. Because guess what happens when they ban all of the nude content, all of the salacious content, all of the pornographic content? Well, their audience goes away for one, and then you don't have a business model in the internet game full stop. You need eyeballs, you need traffic, you need engagement. 
It doesn't matter what your content is. If you don't have that, you're dead. That's it, right? If nobody's coming to your site, you can't sell products, you can't make advertising revenue, and you can't sustain a business. It's quite simple, okay? So let's follow the logic. OnlyFans, 98% of their content is this nudity and this kind of salacious content, if you even want to call it that. And I'm getting sick of even saying salacious already. But the point is, if you get rid of that, you get rid of 90% of your participants. And therefore, you get rid of the equivalent audience, right? So then even if you are clean and you go to these advertisers and you say, guys, we took the moral high ground, like you said, right? We, um, we cleaned up the space. There's no more tits. There's no more ass. There's no girls fingering themselves or guys jerking off or, you know, whatever. There's no shop windows for escort services and things like that. Now it's just good old clean content. It's people giving, you know, tips on how to make origami, right? <laughs> Shit like this. And uh, the advertising. So, so we've done what you've asked. So can we get those advertising campaigns? Well, what's your audience, says Mr. Advertiser or Mr. Meteor Agency. Well, what's your audience? Oh, well, it's uh, it, it's it's 2% of what it used to be, or it's 5% of what it used to be. Well, now do you think McDonald's is advertising on your platform? <laughs> or, or Coca-Cola or any of these other Gillette's or Nike or anybody like this? All these woke people, right? These progressive, quote unquote, corporations who care about having the moral standard within their business mission statement. Well, guess where they're going? They're not going to OnlyFans to run advertising campaigns. They might give them this much budget instead of this much budget, but they're not going to sustain that platform because they don't give a fuck. They want eyeballs and they'll go where the eyeballs are. So instead of going to OnlyFans, they'll go to Snap or they'll Snapchat or they'll go to TikTok or they'll go to Instagram or they'll go to you know, Twitter and Facebook and so on and so forth. They'll go to the Daily Mail. They'll go to the, you know, the national newspaper sites and things like that. But they won't go to OnlyFans. They'll leave OnlyFans starving. And I think that was the light bulb moment that OnlyFans had, which should have happened before they made any stupid announcements anyways, because now it only looks like they're calling back the, the audience and, and, and reversing their decision simply because... They well, well, the way they're making it appear is they care about all of their users, right? And it's a free and open platform and people can decide to do what they want to do. That's not the case. They realize that advertisers wouldn't touch them if they cleaned up their platform because they wouldn't have the audience size that was required in the digital age to run high frequency, high, uh, high frequency, high value campaigns. They realize that that wasn't going to happen. So the only way they could sustain themselves is to revert back. So that fucking morality goes straight out the window. And this is how advertising works. They don't care about the cause. They don't care about the platform, right? They care about the numbers you can bring to them, the data that you can provide them, the insights that you can report on so that they can use it for their own end. And what's their own end? It's flogging more products. You think Gillette really give a fuck about social justice? You think Gillette or Nike really care about Black Lives Matter or the plight of poor Black people in America or whatever, you know, transgender rights and gay pride? Look at the trends of how things happen. If these companies gave a fuck about any of these issues, they would be doing it and supporting them on an ongoing basis. 
but they don't. That's why you have things like Black History Month and Gay Pride Month and specific allocated days where you can celebrate and support a cause. It allows you to plant a flag in the sand to say, look, we're on the right side of history. We're on the right side of the conversation. When in actual fact, all they're doing it is using it as a marketing opportunity to pull in some more users, to pull in some more customers. They don't care. They don't care. They can't care. They have a different focus and a different responsibility. And that responsibility is to their shareholders. And the only thing shareholders give a shit about is return on investment. You better have my money to the percentage that you told me you're going to have it. If not, we've got a different conversation to have and you're going to have to fix it and act accordingly. It's not about causes. It's about money. That's all it is. So I'm not surprised that OnlyFans made the decision to turn back away from banning all of this kind of nude content or adult content. My, the surprise I had is that they announced the stupid decision in the first place without giving it some actual thought. But that said, I've worked in corporations for long enough. I've been in the media game now for about 15 years, and it's a cesspool, okay? Media is awful. It's, it's a racket. It's a racket. You tell me one other industry or one other, um, one other job where performing at less than half a percent success is deemed acceptable, right? If you had an employee that you could rely on showing up to work less than 1% of the time, would you keep that employee around? No. If you were doing anything and expecting a return on investment and the return on investment was 0.7%, Less than 1%. Would you consider that success? So if you come out and you're like, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to do some advertising on a website for a month. Give me some advertising. Expect nothing. (laughs) Expect nothing. You might as well take that money, go in the backyard, light a fire and just burn it. Because that's as good. That's as good as what it's used for. Right. Advertising is a fucking scam. It's a scam. Unless you have the money to do it in extremely high volumes on a sustained basis, you are pissing your money away. That's why companies like Facebook and things like that who have these extreme levels of targeting are where most of the money goes, right? So Facebook and um, uh, Facebook and Google account for about 85% of all advertising money spent full stop, right? And that's because they can target and they offer it cheap, right? But it's still shit. It's still shit. And for the average company, they don't have the money to be able to sustain it to the degree that they would need to, to see actual real results. It's a farce. It's a farce. And it's just an incestuous kind of rotating door of people going in one company and out to another and then back in and back to that company or over to this brother company or sister company. It's like, it's just like this incestuous circle of agencies and personalities within it who think they control the world, but actually they're doing nothing. They're making no impact, right? I see LinkedIn and, oh, we're so proud of this campaign. I saw one the other day that I posted um, on Twitter or on Facebook, I can't remember. And uh, there's a show for anybody that's not in the UK, there's a show on this uh, channel four is, is the channel that it's on. 
and it's called, what is it called? Naked Attraction. And the basis of this show is they get one contestant and they have like seven or eight panels, boxes, colored boxes. And these colored boxes have a person inside them, man, woman, sometimes both mixed, depending on what the player's persuasion is. And the game starts and the screen starts moving up. So you see their feet and their knees and then their pussy or their cocks, right? So you've got dicks and, and, and pussies just boom, straight at you, straight at you. And the, and the purpose of this show is it's a dating game, okay? So once the screens have gone all the way up, you've got seven people there stark ass naked and this person commenting on them. Oh yeah, I like big pussy lips or, you know, I like uh, inverted nipples or, or, you know, I like a, I like a stretch mark or I love tattoos or, you know, piercings turn me off or whatever, you know, what's up with that guy's pubic hair kind of thing, right? Just completely judging these people who are stark bollock naked on, on primetime television. So anyways, the contestant will end up choosing one of these saps, right, to go on a date with. Now they have to reciprocate. So that person's been naked. They come down, right? It's like the final two. They come down. They, Anyways, they, they pick the final two. They come down. And then the, the game player comes out and they're naked. So it's like, okay, first impressions kind of thing. Then the player picks one of the last two contestants to go on a date with and they walk off buck naked, right? It's, it's such trash, right? And I only know this because I, I watch Gogglebox on occasion and I've seen how the show is all set up. I don't watch this fucking show, not at all. Um, but that's how the show's set up. Now, Channel 4, right? Global Media who are a massive media agency, media company, and TFL, Transport for London. All of these geniuses got together and said, we need, we need to do a campaign for the upcoming season of this show. What should we do? So they decided as part of their advertising campaign to do a uh, sort of out of home campaign, right? So what they did was they developed a sticker that goes on the London... Uh, double-decker buses, right? And on this sticker, it basically, so picture a bus, right? Picture a bus wheels there. Effectively, the sticker went across the whole side of the bus and then went down a long ways there. So down the long ways there, it was like Channel 4, new season coming. Along this way, which was right under the windows, the top windows of the, of the bus, it said Arrow. It was Arrow. This person loves naked attraction and then a few seats down there was another arrow it said this person hates naked attraction and then there was another one at the front of the bus that said this person loves being naked so you had multiple media agencies one of the biggest transport companies in the world whatever creative agencies were involved and the brand themselves the tv channel right all at some point were sitting in a room together or probably not, because that would be too much to ask and way too efficient for the industry, right? It was probably a series of 400 meetings that, you know, they were batting ideas around and taking things offline and circling back and, right, all this garbage. And they came up with that. They came up with a black sticker with three arrows on it saying, this person hates our show, this person loves our show, this person loves to be naked. Now, 
nothing, you know, nothing too bad about that, right? It's dumb. There's no creativity in it for one, but the lack of foresight and the lack of tone deafness that comes out of these agencies and these brands and these, these companies sometimes is astounding to me, right? So one, <laughs> London buses are also used to pick kids up from school. So it stands every chance that you could have a little girl sitting in that seat with an arrow pointed to her saying, I like being naked. Imagine, imagine, or it's an old person or it's a lady or it's anybody that didn't agree to being labeled as somebody who enjoys being nude, right? Because let's be honest, we've got perverse and weirdos walking all around. And like I said, in the post that I made about this, do I expect this ad to be you know, a leading cause of sexual harassment or rape or whatever? Probably not, maybe not. But when you have 50% of women, more than 50% of women claiming that if that they have used public transport and at some point in their life, they have been subject to some form of sexual harassment. Now that stat is readily available, right? And if you're doing due diligence for an advertising campaign on a bus that says this person, you align just random people who happen to sit in that seat with enjoying being naked, wouldn't you have a little bit of common sense to say, hey, maybe we should check this out. Maybe we should maybe rephrase this or look at, nah, it's, it's controversial, right? They're sitting there. This is going to be so controversial, man. People are going to fucking, they're going to pick it up on social and they're going to share it. And oh my God, you can't can't believe what's going to happen. It's going to be so good. We're going to get so many viewers for this. No, you look like tone deaf assholes who don't know the first thing about public safety concerns, public uh, temperament about, you know, certain issues and scrap all that sexual harassment stuff. It's a terrible fucking ad. It's a terrible ad, right? It, it does nothing to appeal the show. And to be honest with you, anybody that watches that show is a fucking retard anyway. So I don't, you know, we don't, we don't, we're not the same type of people. I don't, I don't watch that crap. I have no interest. If I wanted to watch cocks and pussies, I'd watch porno or, or I'd go back to OnlyFans, right? But my point is these advertising agencies and these brands, they claim to be one thing and sell you a bill of goods. They're just manipulating you in order for you to be okay buying their stuff. They don't care about these issues. This is nothing more than changing your profile picture to a gay flag, right? Or you put a Yemen, uh, Yemeni flag on there, Yemen flag on there because of the war, right? These, these attempts to show our, you know, our social and moral superiority and our place in the world to say, we're definitely doing something, right? It's the ice bucket challenge. Rather than doing something, I'll dump a bucket of ice water on my friends, record it, put it on social media, slip a hashtag on it, and call it a day. I'm not actually going to do anything. I'm not actually going to, you know, go for the fundraising walks or I'm not actually going to donate anything. I'm just going to do the ice bucket challenge, put a hashtag on it, right? It's the same with Pray for Afghanistan, right? All of these influencers, social media influencers, I mean, come on. If you're listening to a social media, if you're being influenced by a social media personality, you should run your face into a wall until you can't stand up anymore because you're a loser. Okay. That's it. If you listen to somebody on Instagram who has 5 million followers because they have really nice hair and you use them as your moral compass, 
go ahead and smash your face into a brick wall until you're unconscious. Do everybody around you a favor and put us all out of our misery because you, you're an idiot. You're an idiot, right? So these brands don't care. They're selling you a bill of goods to make themselves seem important so they can attract more customers so they can flog products. And I'm probably not telling you anything you need to, you don't know already, but it was worth kind of dissecting how the OnlyFans thing most likely came about. And I don't know if that's how it came about, but I can hazard a guess that, that was probably how it came about. They realized they were going to go broke in a week. And they were like, well, we can't have that. We've got investors. They need their money back. So you better keep that tits and ass flowing hard because nobody wants to watch Judy over here doing origami, right? Nobody wants to watch Betty doing anything about crochet. And I'll be fucked if I'm watching Nick from Vermont make little pianos on OnlyFans and paying him a fiver a month. Get the fuck out of here. If I'm paying anybody a fiver a month, I want to see some tits, right? Or I want to see some cock. That's what people are like. That's what people are like. And I don't feel bad saying it because that's what the platform's for. If you don't want that, don't go there. There will be plenty of brands that will align with content on OnlyFans. And if not, keep getting, keep getting the escorts on. Keep getting the prostitutes on. Keep getting the people who like getting their tits and, you know, and their cocks out in, in, in front of anybody, right? There's plenty of them. Trust me, you could never get through all the porn that's ever been made. You probably couldn't get through all the porn that's been made this year in your lifetime. There's plenty of this content out there. So just do that. Lean into what you're doing, what's working, and fuck everybody else. Because if the numbers are there, you will eventually become undeniable, right? It's not like you're making snuff porn. It's just girls dancing around doing the little like, you know, whatever. I think, I think. Um, so yeah, just, just understand advertising for what it is if you don't already. It's just using you. They only want to use you. They want your data. They want to know what you're interested in, right? So that they can turn around and sell you something. You're not good. You're nothing to them if you're not buying their stuff. So maybe we'll just leave it there. But I had to touch on the OnlyFans thing because it's hilarious. And, uh, and the wider landscape, which I'm involved in, and I hate being involved in it, but I'm just glad that I've positioned myself in, a, in an industry where there's a little bit of credibility and respect for the advertising campaigns that you can do because they matter, right? They do make an impact on other people positively. It's not just here's Walker's crisps and here's Gary Lineker doing another not funny commercial. So buy some crisps, right? It's not that. So I'm part of, I'm part of the evil, but I'm a, I guess I'm a more benevolent part of that evil. So take that for what it's worth. Um, right. The next thing I want to talk about is ivermectin. Now, so far, so good. And that's probably because I don't have a huge following and I'm not getting millions and millions of views on YouTube. Um, but I was slightly concerned that the last podcast would have gotten, would have been taken down because we mentioned ivermectin. Like in YouTube's rules and regulations in their community guidelines, you're not even allowed to talk about ivermectin. That's 
that's how like shackled content creators are if they want to talk about any issue they want freedom of speech forget it forget it right you have no freedom of speech because there are a handful of companies with sort of emperors at the top that control everything all the content all the distribution and everything else so I was a bit worried that the last episode would have been taken down, but they probably haven't even noticed it's up yet. So, uh, so we're probably safe for a minute. But you know, like Instagram, get videos taken down like three years later because there was some music in the gym, and now there's like a copyright infringement claim about that music, and you have to dispute it, and you have to say, "Listen, that was playing on the radio. I just was filming myself working out, and uh, I wasn't trying to steal anybody's music or intellectual property rights. And generally it takes them another three months and then they'll restore the video. But YouTube don't even care, right? They've got algorithms that are just searching for words. So I was really surprised that it didn't get taken down, but it's probably because the size of uh, the show. Maybe this one will, I don't know. Not that I'm trying to get removed from YouTube. I actually want to build this thing up again. But I had to talk about ivermectin because ivermectin, uh, and, and we touched on this in the last show, but ivermectin is, um, you know, it's, it's an old drug. It's been around for a long, long time. And it's an incredibly safe drug uh, from the research that I've read and from the scientists that I've heard talk honestly and openly about it. And it's used as uh, an antiparasitic. So you can imagine where it's used, right? Places like Africa and India and Pakistan and Latin America and South America, et cetera. Emerging countries, right? Well, it's been used for decades with little to no consequence or negative reactions to it, right? Negative side effects, they're, they're not present. And because it's so safe in being used as an antiparasitic, there are so many other uses for it. They use it in animals and for horses and, you know, for the same thing. Um, but it's used on humans and has been used on humans for, I think, 40 years or something. And it's so safe and been distributed billions of times that there is actually no patent on it now. You know, like paracetamol, right? Or like Tylenol, you can go into like a grocery store and just buy the generic brand. It's not Pfizer paracetamol or Pfizer Tylenol or Pfizer uh, Tylenol or whatever, right? You can have all these different generic brands. And that's because it's so safe to produce. Ivermectin's like that. But in Africa, what they've shown is that ivermectin is effective, very effective, as a not only as a prophylactic, but as a treatment for COVID. Okay, so this is not medical advice, by the way, unless you haven't guessed yet. I'm not a doctor. Okay, I'm not a health professional. I'm, you know, I like to be, I like to keep healthy, and I like to exercise and you know maintain. But I'm not a doctor. I have no medical degree. I have no medical qualifications. I'm just an avid reader. And I like to critically think about things and I don't let mainstream media pump shit into my ears and spoon feed me, you know, garbage. Okay. I try to do my own research on things. As a prophylactic, 
and as a treatment to COVID, they have seen incredible success in Africa during the pandemic. So some Western doctors have picked up on this. They've started doing their own research and their own, uh, no, I don't think they've been doing their own experiments. Maybe they have. Um, but it turns out that if you take this stuff, don't ask me about the specifics of the treatment because I think it's like a, it's like an ongoing series of, uh, of taking ivermectin. Apparently, it's something like 85% uh, successful in stopping you from actually getting COVID, full stop. So that's the prophylactic side, right? Prophylactic condom stops you from getting fucking, you know, warts on your dick, right? Put the fucking prophylactic on. It's used as a prophylactic. If you get COVID, they've also had very, very high rates of success using it as a treatment to stop serious illness. You cannot have this conversation on YouTube. And like I said, this might get taken down. You can't have this conversation on YouTube for some reason or another. Because what? Because the FDA said so? Well, who the fuck are they? The Food and Drug Administration? Okay. Well, they're bureaucrats. So they have a financial interest in drugs coming to market as well, like vaccines that happen to have a, a patent that's owned by a major, you know, uh, conglomerate or, or, or a huge pharmaceutical company. They have a vested interest in doing this, right? So it's no wonder why ivermectin is being demonized and labeled as horse medication. So now these stupid fucking idiots that listen to MBC, MSNBC, CNN, you know, and all this woke left bullshit media, and it's all bullshit media, by the way, I don't want to just pick on the left here, Fox News and you know, all of these outlets, they're all garbage. They're all garbage. But for the purpose of what we're talking about, we're specifically talking about how the left is reacting to this because they consider anybody that is an advocate or speaks openly about ivermectin to be on the right, fanatical, you know, Trump. You're basically a fucking hardcore mega Trump supporter if you even mention ivermectin. And all of these social media platforms want anybody with that political leaning to go elsewhere. They don't want them on their platform, right? It's an exodus. It's it, They're trying to segregate this uh, and, and create these divisions because divisions is the only way they prosper. If we're separated, if we're at loggerheads with each other about issues that don't really matter, that's perfect for them. Because then they can get on and do whatever they want to do in terms of pushing their agenda forward in whatever area that they want. As long as we're sitting here arguing over nonsense, confused and divided, they can plot ahead with very, very little interruption. So when you're talking about ivermectin on any social media platform, the, the you'll get blocked, right? Your account will be suspended and all of this stuff. And it's just chaos. It's just nonsense. Because what you get is these fucking idiots that listen to these media outlets, they come in and they start regurgitating the same talking points that these media outlets push. Anybody that takes ivermectin is basically taking horse medicine. And have there been some people that have taken the wrong type of ivermectin? A hundred percent. But that's people. <laughs> Like, we're going to sit here and pretend that people are reliable individuals or competent individuals on the whole, because I fundamentally disagree with that statement. I think people, 
And I love people, but I think most people are useless. I think most people are incompetent. Most people are incapable. Most people don't want to try or give any extra effort if they don't have to. So this is why clickbait works, right? This is why clickbait headlines work. Because if you got clickbait headlines, that's the story for people. They're not going to go four paragraphs in, five paragraphs in, where you start to get the context and the nuance, right? I saw this thing, healthy 13-year-old boy. This was ages ago when the pandemic was raging. Healthy 13-year-old boy dies of COVID-19. It can affect us all, right? Nobody's safe. Well, if you would have read that, that headline and then maybe like the first paragraph, you'd be like, fuck, man, COVID is killing everybody. But if you actually read the article, the 13-year-old boy was about 130 pounds overweight, right? So what is that in kilos? Like 45 kilos, 50 kilos overweight, something like that. Immense, 13 years old, and he's obese to that degree. Oh, he also had diabetes. Okay, so he wasn't a healthy 13-year-old boy like the headline said. He was 13 with multiple underlying conditions, and was entirely unhealthy and probably had a lifespan of 40 years at best, right? 50 years at best if he didn't shape up. And he got COVID and it's tragic that he died off of it. But the headline is bollocks. And the headline is bollocks because they want you to do what? They want you to click on the fucking thing. Why? So these advertisers can get the eyeballs, the data, and the interaction on their ads. What we were just talking about, about OnlyFans. This is why clickbait exists. And they know clickbait works because the attention span of most of the people in the world lasts about that long. You can't have an extended conversation with people, right? I mean, Joe Rogan's kind of finally carved out a, a niche for long-form conversation, and it's growing steadily. But that's still not the majority, right? You can say, oh, oh you know, Joe Rogan gets 100 million downloads a month. Yeah, but that's still a tiny proportion of the overall population. And most of the population have junk food diets, not only from a food perspective, but from an information perspective. And if you're consuming information that is the equivalent of McDonald's, that's what your head is going to be. That's where your mentality is going to be. That's your thought process, right? You are what you eat, but you are also what you consume verbally, uh, visually, you know, from an auditory perspective. It's what you listen to, what you watch. So those people who are sitting around just watching McDonald's TV all day, they'll see a headline and they'll be like, click, but they won't read the fucking article. They'll read the first sentence or two sentences and then they'll leave. And then they'll have a deterministic view on a specific matter without doing any research or critical thinking about it. No nuance, no context, just it is what the headline told me. I saw it on a tweet. I didn't click the article, but that's what I know now. And I know it implicitly, right? So you get these people and they're like, well, ivermectin, well, CNN and, and MSNBC and you know the, the, the New York Times, they told me this is horse medicine. So it's horse medicine. So anybody that takes taking horse medicine and how could you take horse medicine? You have to be absolutely out of your mind. You must be a Trump supporter, <laughs> right? It's funny how the line goes, but that's just not true. And we do need context and we do need nuance to this because yes, there are like, animal versions of it sorry 
there's a dog walking outside, and my dog is an absolute spastic. Hey, hey. So we're back. He's calmed down a little bit. Um, so you've got these folks who just digest this stuff from these mainstream media outlets and then put it off as it's like their thoughts on, on the situation, right? So I had to had to address one of these uh, yesterday because it was like, oh, um, ivermectin people are, are all tattooed and smokers anyways. And it's like, you don't, you don't ask what's in the ink in your tattoos and you don't ask about the chemicals that are in your, in your smokes and your cigarettes. So why are you so concerned with what's in the vaccines? But yet you'll take this horse medicine and you know what I mean? And we just go down this slippery slope of chaos and, and lack of clarity of thinking. And um, this has been exacerbated now because Joe Rogan has come out and announced that he's got COVID. And as a course of treatment, he threw, he said in his own words, he threw the kitchen sink at it, right? He threw everything at it, including ivermectin, including vitamin drips, including Z-packs and, and these other things. And now he's fine. He said he had one bad day, three days, he's done, back to normal, feeling great. And then you get the media outlets who have just been itching, itching to get a hold of something they can tear into him for. And here it is. Rogan takes horse medicine, unregulated, un, um, what, what did they say? Unregulated horse medicine taken by anti-vaxxer Joe Rogan, I think was the headline or something like the headline on uh, NBC. And it's just such disingenuous bullshit that is then regurgitated out by these left progressive left assholes who think that they got the moral high ground in every situation. And again, they don't do the research. This this person is telling me, well, it is horse medicine. No, it's not. <laughs> like, no, it's not. Fucking read a website. Go on to like the World Health Organization or, or something like that and go and check it out for yourself. But this wasn't about that. This was just about now we've got Rogan in our crosshairs. So now we can go and we can snipe him out because all they want is a guy like Rogan who's decimating their audiences decimating the viewerships that they that they have joe rogan has set the course for the new media right and he has his surrogates and his sort of metaverse of different podcasts that you know are all wildly successful and he puts on people who you know lots of folks don't know about and he has some really interesting conversations and this left media, because he'll speak out about mass vaccination programs and vaccinating children with, you know, with vaccines that we don't have any long-term data on, he's vilified for this. Well, I'm sorry, but he's absolutely correct. You should not be incentivizing people to take medicines that are unproven over the long term. If people who live in a democracy choose not to take a vaccine, that is on them. Because like I said, these vaccines have no evidence towards stopping you from contracting COVID or passing COVID on. The only benefit of these vaccines, and I even, I even have a problem calling them vaccines, right? The only benefit of these vaccines is that they stop people from getting serious, serious illnesses, if they do happen to catch vaccine, if they do happen to catch COVID. But if you look at the statistics, and maybe we talked about this on the last show, I'm not sure. But if you look at the statistics of around COVID, 
it only has a 0.1% death rate, okay, of everybody that catches it, meaning that 99.9% of people who catch COVID recover from it fully, right? Also, of those deaths, so the zero, so 100 people catch COVID, 0.1 person is going to die off of that, right? Doesn't even have a, a death rate of uh, 1%. So of those numbers, the people who do die from it, 99% of the deaths that fall within that 0.1%, maybe it's a little bit higher now. Um, I'll check and come back. Don't want to be fact checked by some asshole who's got nothing better to do, but it's not high. It's not 1% for sure, right? So of those tiny percentages that die from COVID, something like 97 to 99% of those people were either infirmed and elderly or had some serious underlying conditions that they either knew or did not know about, right? Meaning, if you're a healthy individual who looks after themselves, takes vitamin supplementation, you know, is, is active, lives an active lifestyle, doesn't eat processed foods and shit all the time, right? Generally lives like a normal person, or I say normal, that's probably abnormal in today's society. But anybody that looks after themselves, is going to have a less difficult time with COVID. Now, there might be degrees of how you suffer with it, right? But I would hazard a guess that anybody that suffers from COVID isn't or wasn't healthy in the first place, right? I think that I've probably had COVID at least twice because there have been a couple of times, I haven't had the flu in like two years, but there's been a couple of times where I felt a bit run down had a bit of a cough and you know within a day or two it's gone right and i just think to myself that's probably the majority of people and the statistics kind of back that up so in terms of how we view these vaccines what are we taking them for exactly like Okay, so I say that, right? But I'm double jab now. Got my second, uh, got my second jab uh, this past weekend. But I did that for my own reasons. I didn't do that because I was forced to do it. And what I'll say categorically now is that if any government restricts my travel or my own government tells me I can't participate in life because all of a sudden we're going to require annual booster shots, they can fuck off. That is the hill I'll die on. I wasn't willing to die on the non not getting vaccine for the sake of not getting vaccines because I have a vulnerable wife. She has uh, an elderly or an older mother who lives abroad that we want to go and see. And so I have my own personal reasons for getting the vaccine. But trust me, I was this close to not doing it on both occasions. But I just thought, well, taking all the circumstances into play, it's a little bit selfish. So went ahead and did it. First vaccine kind of made me feel like I'd felt on those other two occasions when I thought I had COVID. So that's what kind of reinforced my thinking around it. Second time, had a little bruise on the arm, nothing gone, sort of, right? So it's like, okay, well, if it's going to stop me from getting seriously ill, if I'm one of these unlucky bastards that ends up getting, you know, real bad symptoms from it, then this should curtail that a little bit. So, okay, cool, right? It's a little bit of like, you know, praying on your deathbed, right? It's like, you've been an atheist your whole life, but 
on your deathbed, you start praying to God just in case you can kind of get in, right? Just in case the pearly gates are an option still. It's the same thing if people are in a plane, plane crash, right? How many atheists do you know in a plane crash, right? Or, or, or if a plane's going down, everybody's like, come on, please, God, save me. Please, God, save me. Just in case, just in case, that's kind of the, the justification I gave myself around getting the vaccine. So take it for what it is. But I truly believe that it's on the individual and they should have the choice, right? Because I'm vaccinated. But if I'm sitting next to somebody who's unvaccinated and they've got COVID, it doesn't matter if I'm vaccinated or not, or vaccinated or not, I can still catch it, right? And if I catch it, I can still pass it on. So the only thing I'm doing is worrying about myself and the potential that there is some tiny, tiny percentage that I could get sick from it and I don't want to get sick from it. So, okay, fine. But what if the vaccine would have given me a fucking blood clot in my head? Or what if there's some long-term consequences to this that are way worse? What if my dick stops working one day, right? And it doesn't because it's fucking diamond cutter, but never mind, never mind. Story for another day. But we don't know any long-term data. So to chastise people and to come down on people as anti-vaxxers or you know, putting your children in your community at risk, that's not true. One, this barely touches kids, full stop, right? We've touched on the other reasons as to who it affects and why. So generally, should we not be promoting health rather than medicine? Because again, it's the same thing as like antidepressants and stuff like that, right? You go to a doctor, I feel sad. Here, take these fucking pills. That'll make you feel better. Well, what you could have used is like a hard session down the gym for an hour and a half to smack your lazy ass back to reality and let you know that you've got some muscles, some blood pumping through your veins. And you've actually got a reason to live and you can accomplish things and get better at things if you actually try a little harder. Nobody wants to try hard. Nobody wants to give the actual things and the actual reasons and solutions behind things when they actually require a bit of effort. And it's just gross. But all these fucking assholes that are tagging on to trying to alienate people or segregate people socially because they might have a different view on these vaccines than what they've been spoon-fed by mainstream media is disgusting. And the way that the media has jumped on Rogan because he admitted that he had COVID and admitted that he took ivermectin um, as part of his treatment to get better off of it, has now they've now tried to demonize him. Get the fuck out of here with this shit. Anybody that listens to Rogan knows exactly what he's about, right? I've met him in person, had a conversation with him in person. That was in Sweden like five years ago. But, you know, he, he's, uh, from what I can tell, he is what it says on the tin, right? You see what you get is what, what you see is what you get. Eh? Can I get that out or no? Um, what you see is what you get. And that's very much, you know, how I like to play things as well. Like, I am who I am. And I want to talk about what I want to talk about. And if this doesn't fit with YouTube, then I'll find another platform to do it on. Because... What have I got to lose? A hundred subscribers, <laughs> right? Like 20,000 views on my video. Like what? Like I'll be fine. I'll be fine. YouTube. Like I'm not scared of being banned off YouTube, having a channel on YouTube. Like, you know, I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to be uh, Mr. Beast anytime soon. I, I wouldn't imagine. Um, but I want to talk about it because it's so disingenuous what these brands and what these agencies and what these television stations do and this population this portion of the population that's just ready to be shepherded along 
with all of this rhetoric and all of this nonsense without any historical context is really, really concerning to me. And I think it just needs to be called out. So I did that on social media. I called this guy out for his post and his friends for all their stupid comments around it. Then he came back and tried to justify it and then gave me his, yeah, but what about kind of argument? And that's what they do, right? They try to, they try false equivalencies, right? Yeah, but what about, you know, oh, we may have, but what? look what these guys did over here, right? It's always that sort of an argument. It's a distraction piece. It's like a don't look here, look over there. You know, it's, a, it's just a distraction because they don't want to actually have any meaningful conversations. They want you to comply with what they think. And if you don't, then you're the oppressor or you're the enemy or you're the other and you should be segregated accordingly. Listen to Justin Trudeau this fucking Chinese Communist Party puppet, right? Talking about, oh, well, you can't get on a train. I think I mentioned this in the last show. You can't get on a tr- Don't be expected to get on a plane or a train. Now he's come out and he's escalated. He said, these people are putting your family at risk. These people are putting your kids and your family in danger, purposely trying to segregate the population against each other. Why? Because political division can get you elected. This guy's a puppet. This guy's cozying up with the CCP. It's absolutely horrendous all of the shit that he's doing and most people seem blind to it most people seem completely oblivious to it and so if i can help turn on a couple of people to maybe an alternate way of thinking or at least opening their mind up to doing some critical thinking and some research themselves that's what i want to do because we're on a slippery slope folks we're on a slippery slope that may already be way too greasy for us to stop sliding all the way to the bottom before we can start rebuilding back up. But I'm telling you what, what do they say? Every action has an opposite and equal reaction. Well, not in the case of political identity, political, uh, what do you want to call it? It's like identity politics and political segregation, right? The kickback and the reaction to that, it's not equal. It's not. It's definitely going to happen, but the reaction is not going to be equal, right? Obama was the savior of saviors, right? He was going to change the world. He was going to make life better for all Black people. He was going to reform the world. He was our savior. What a fucking Nobel Peace Prize, for Christ's sakes. And all he did was get into office, right? He actually didn't do anything. And if you look at his record, I bet you those people on the Nobel... um, board whoever judges these or makes these decisions are thinking to themselves let's uh let's not talk about that drone record that uh, old uh, barack has you know what i mean let's not talk about fast and furious let's not talk about you know all of the other shit that he did the fact that he continued to perpetuate a war in afghanistan the fact that you know it was under his watch or on his watch that libya fell right just absolutely mental some of the things that came out of that presidency and i was sucking his dick like everybody else was i was like this is the second coming i can't believe it america's changed get the fuck out of here and he's no different than anybody else in that game but he had us fooled because he's charismatic right but the swing back off of that got you donald trump and you kind of say that the swing back off of that gave you joe biden but I don't buy it because I don't buy 81 million people in America voted for Joe Biden when he couldn't even get a parking lot full of supporters while he was on the campaign trail. 
right? He was dead in the water until South Carolina. And I forget the gentleman's name, a prominent black figure in South Carolina came to his support, basically won him the black caucus vote in South Carolina. And that started the ball rolling for Joe Biden and his presidency, right? Don't forget, he was dead in the water. It was Bernie's race to lose, and he lost because the Democratic Party hates him. But, <clears throat> but uh, you can kind of say that that was the kickback because, you know, obviously they put him in place because he was the only one that stood a chance of, of, of quote unquote, beating Trump in, a, in an election. But the, um, the mystery and the, the, uh, <laughs> the shadiness, I guess of the election. I don't want to call it a false election because that could get me another strike on YouTube. <laughs> um, but the uh, the questionable circumstances around the election got us Biden. And look at what disaster this has been. Look at what an absolute car crash this has been, right? What are we, eight months in, nine months into the Biden presidency? <sighs> wow. What a shit show. But you still got people the same people that want to vilify people who talk about ivermectin or want to have a go at Joe Rogan about ivermectin, these same people, right? They will not for a minute criticize anything that Biden's done. It will always be, but yeah, but what about Trump? Even with this Afghanistan thing, and we may have mentioned this on the last show, but even with this Afghanistan thing, Biden himself said it, right? Biden, in the same speech, within a couple of minutes of, uh, of one another, made, made two really contradictory statements. One, he blamed Trump for the whole mess, but then said, what a great job it was that we got it done. Well, was it a fucking huge mess, or was it a great job that got done? Because he definitely could have reversed that decision. And it was a shit show, but he blamed the shit show on Trump and then said what a good job they'd done. I mean, you can't write this stuff, right? You can't write this stuff. But you've got these people, they won't criticize Biden. They won't criticize Biden, even though inflation is up 5%. Even though Afghanistan is in absolute turmoil and there are citizens still on the ground. An American got arrested at the border yesterday because he had a bunch of um, afghans with him that had worked with him he got turned away at the border and now he's been arrested by the taliban he'll be dead in a week as terrible as that is to say he'll be dead in a week america i mean i wish i had the infographic up here um that uh that brooke shout out to brooke uh posted into the corner on facebook and uh and it was basically a list of the inventory uh weapons uh, Humvees, helicopters, guns, radios, all this stuff that America just left behind. Didn't blow up the bases, didn't destroy the equipment, just cut and run, handed it over to the Taliban. The Taliban now, because of this fuck up, have basically one of the strongest militaries in the world, right? And true to form, they've been flying the Black Hawk helicopter. Yeah, we left Black Hawk helicopters. Not we, I didn't fucking do it. They did it. They left Black Hawk helicopters there. And what have the Taliban been doing? because they've got some helicopter pilots, funny enough. They've been hanging people from them and flying them around the city. Are we still wanting to wait to see if the Taliban's reformed? Speaking to the British ambassador, who I don't know his name and I don't care about his name, but he'll, you know, 
He's the one that said, we need to wait and see who this Taliban is. Have they changed? Have they changed? Are they reformed? They've said that they're really interested in giving women a shot and, you know, all of this stuff. So maybe we just need to wait and see and work with them. It's inevitable that we now have to work with it. It's inevitable because you fucking retards made it inevitable and handed them the third, fourth, maybe fifth strongest military arsenal in the fucking world. That's why. Like, anyways, I'm digressing. I'm digressing. The point is, you should be able to talk about ivermectin. You should be able to talk about anything you want. If you want to get a vaccine, that should be your choice. If you don't want to get a vaccine, that should be your choice. If you die from COVID because you're a fat, lazy prick and you didn't want to get the vaccine, that's on you. If you're a healthy individual that happens to be one of those tiny, tiny percentages of folks who are don't have any underlying conditions, are healthy, and then still catch COVID and have severe symptoms, that's on you. But that's what living in democracy is supposed to be about. Freedom of choice, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom to conduct oneself as they see fit. Nobody is stopping me from going to the shop. And I said this definitely on the last show. Nobody is stopping me from going to the shop, buying a liter of whiskey, five packs of cigarettes, and ingesting them all as quickly as possible, going back and doing it again the same day, and washing it down with McDonald's supersized Happy Meal. Nobody is stopping me from doing that. Why? Because it's my fucking choice. I want to do it, right? But you know what kills people? at higher rates every year than COVID, alcohol, bad food, terrible diet, no exercise. This is what kills people. Smoking, this is what kills people. We've had a pandemic of smoking deaths for the past 35, 40 years, and nobody's doing anything about it. Why? Because there's money to be made, and these governments don't care. So anyways, I'm digressing, digressing. <clears throat> the last thing I want to talk about is, um, is, is, is a confession. I have to confess something. And, uh, and as I said up front, there's only a couple of people that I've told this to. One, my wife, and then a couple of friends who I knew uh, could definitely keep it a secret. But now some time has passed, and... I'm over it. It's happened. I've recovered and I've moved on. So now I can, you know, it's always one of those things, right? They say, oh, you, you'll look back at this one day and you'll laugh. When it happened, I didn't feel like laughing. I felt like taking my laptop and snapping it in half. And uh, I felt like, like putting my head through the television. I was irate. I was somewhat inconsolable for the better part of 48 hours but then i had to snap out of it and just learn or at least accept that there has to be a lesson learned in this somewhere somehow so i'm so embarrassed so fucking embarrassed so i am a massive proponent of cryptocurrency right? Anybody that wants to talk about cryptocurrency, and I'm going to have a guest on soon, uh, who's an expert, works in the crypto space, has for years, and knows a lot more about it than I do, because I know almost nothing about it. But I'll speak on it with, with absolute confidence, right? 
but I'm a big proponent of it. I think it's inevitably going to be the future of money. Uh, who wins? I don't know what that ecosystem looks like. I don't know. I think there's a lot of um, illegitimate players in the market at the moment. DeFi is a very, very kind of, I don't know, tenuous space. There, there's a lot around it that is um, that is not secure as I'd like it to be. I don't feel comfortable playing in the DeFi space yet. But um, again, I don't know enough about it. So I could be talking absolute shit. Um, but nevertheless, I think of it like, you know, when credit cards were introduced, and people could have all of their money on a little, you know, wallet sized card. There were people out there who were detractors, and they were saying, never going to happen. My money's cash right? That's how I deal with money. I'm not, I don't trust some plastic card. What the fuck is this plastic card? Right. And it was that, that, and then sign, right. Take the imprint and then sign match the signatures. Good to go. And then it became, you know, digital, right. And then chip and pin came in and people were like, what? I'm not just touching my card against the machine and having that be a payment. Anybody could steal my money. That's completely unsecure. Right. And now most transactions happen contactless. I would hazard a guess. I don't have the data around it, but I would imagine just by my own habits that where you can, you just take it out and ding, and that's it, right? And now obviously you can do it with your phone and Apple Pay. Apple Pay is even better than using a card, to be honest with you. The last, like, I don't know, five or six things I've bought, whether it be at the grocery store or whatever, I've just used my, my, my phone, right? So again, people only a few years ago were saying, no way. I'm not using my phone to pay for things. And now it's becoming the norm. And I just think, well, <coughs> paper money is, that's for the birds, right? One, with inflation happening the way it's happening, it's going to be valueless soon, right? Or sooner rather than later, right? You can't keep pumping money into a system and expecting the currency to retain its, its, uh, its value. That's not how economics works. And don't, don't ask me how economics works because I'm not an economics student either. But uh, I know a little bit about a lot of stuff. And I can speak on that with pretty, pretty high confidence. <clears throat> that said, I think crypto is the future. I think it's inevitable. Blockchain technology seems sound. The security around it seems sound. And, um, and, you know, it brings this sovereignty back to the individual where you're not reliant on having to keep your money in a place where they give you a 0.1% APR, um, you know, return on your investment, right? It's, uh, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but like, if, if that's the rate of savings you're getting your savings and inflation is 2%, your, your money's going down in value coupled with the fact that inflation has gone up 5% in America and will go up in, in the UK uh, in a respective manner, I, I presume I am making a call on, um, that's going to make the problem worse, right? So as goods and services become more expensive, inflation, because of inflation going up, and you've got your money held in a static savings account that is, you know, a fractional percentage uh, of the overall inflationary number, your money's always losing value. So, you know, as goods and services go up, this doesn't stay the same because you can't buy the same amount of shit with it as you would have been able to before. So it's actually worth less. So having your money in a savings account with like Barclays or NatWest or HSBC or Bank of Canada um, or, or whatever it is, that's stupid. 
that's really stupid, right? Because you're not earning more than inflation and therefore you're not actually saving. So I'm a big proponent because in the DeFi space, which again is, is a little murky and I don't understand it, but there are interest rates of, of, of keeping markets buoyant and, and solid that are four, five, six, seven, up to 12% interest rates, all right? And I don't play in those spaces right now, uh, but I'm learning a little bit about them. But the point is the growth of cryptocurrency and the adoption of cryptocurrency is seeing the value increase so much that you're better off putting your money there anyhow, even with the peaks and troughs and the volatility in the market, you're, it's still outperforming um, by orders of magnitude all other markets, right? Inevitably. So how long will this continue for? I don't know. I have no, I have no clue, but I'm buying more. But I've had to rebuy. And this is the confession. So I had several thousand pounds invested in cryptocurrency in a wallet, in a digital uh, wallet. And there's some rules of thumb for anybody that doesn't own cryptocurrency, um, but is thinking about it. Rule one is do not keep your seed phrase anywhere other than on a hard copy written down piece of paper that is totally off of line, offline and stored somewhere secure. Don't tell your mom where it is. Don't tell your girlfriend. Don't tell your wife. Don't tell your friends. Don't tell anybody. Okay. Write the fucking phrase down and bury it somewhere. Right. Or keep it in a safe. Now I did that. But by mistake, I have an app, or I, I should say I had an app because I'll never be using this fucking app again. I had an app. It's called Evernote. And I must have some way taken a screenshot of my seed phrase and put it in that app. Well, that app got hacked. And what happened after that? Well, I woke up on a Saturday morning and went to the gym to have a workout. And as I do when I go to the gym in the morning and have a workout, I check my cryptocurrency. I see where I'm at with things. And all I saw was this. 10,000, 6,000, 4,000, 3,000, 1,000, zero. Because it loads every time. It loads your different currencies in this wallet, right? So it, like you, what you expect to see when you log in is either the number that you last had when you logged out, or it goes 1,000, 3,000, 5,000, 7,000, 10,000, right? This went the other way. I was like, well, that's a glitch. Let me shut the app down and go back in and check it out. Sure enough, when I went back in, it didn't do the countdown this time, or the countdown this time, it just said zero. I was like, that's got to be a glitch. I'll, I'll update the app when I get home and I'll check it out. I went home, got on my Mac, had a look. Sure enough, went into my recent transactions and saw it all. Someone had hacked my account and I checked my email before doing this and I saw new login to Evernote. So someone had gone in there and changed my details. So I was like, well, that's weird. And then I went on to my wallet, logged in, and saw all the transactions. And what they'd done 
is taken all of the cryptocurrencies that I owned, transferred them into Ethereum, brought them back in, and then cashed them out. Lost a lot of money. I lost a lot of money. But the good thing about investing and the rule of investing is you should never invest anything that you don't mind losing, right? Now, was I happy about losing all of those thousands of pounds? Absolutely not. As I said to you a minute ago, I was absolutely inconsolable for about 48 hours. And the embarrassment has been such that this is the first time I'm telling any more than those three people that already knew. But I can laugh about it now to a degree because I'm building it back up and I've done it the right way. I've, I've not taken any chances. And to be fair, I didn't realize that I did this, but it was the only logical con conclusion I could reach is that I must have taken a screenshot of my, my seed phrase and either uh, forgotten about it and stored it in there or somehow put it in there, not realizing what I'd done or just some dumb fuck move that is completely my fault and entirely my responsibility. And, and I got hacked, I got hacked and there's nothing I can do about it. So I took it to the cops. I, I went to the um, cyber crimes division and they basically came back to me in about five weeks later, four weeks later and said, Sorry, we've looked into this, nothing we can do. So another warning to anybody out there, if you lose your cryptocurrency or you lose your seed phrase or you get hacked, don't expect it to ever come back because it's not. That's one of the beautiful things about blockchain is that it's totally secured, irreversible, but it's always trackable. Now, the investigation unit at the Met Police obviously don't know how to track cryptocurrency or, or, or couldn't be fucking bothered to do it, but... Nothing was done. I didn't get my money back. I won't get my money back. So I've had to start over and rebuild. So I've lost a month worth of growth in the crypto market, which probably would have been equal to at least an additional few thousand pounds. Um, so now I've had to start over, building it back up. But um, yeah, I played myself. And I think that's why I was inconsolable for... And I don't mean inconsolable, like I didn't have a pack of tissues sobbing and shit. I was just irate. I was angry. I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't communicate effectively because it was it was all I was thinking about, as, as you can imagine. Um, but it was on me. I did it. I did it. I fucked up. I somehow put a digital copy of my seed phrase in my phone and that got hacked and got taken. If I didn't take that screenshot or didn't put that however it happened and I don't know how it happened and I'm confessing so I if I fucked up and I knew I fucked up I tell you I fucked up but I, I don't remember doing this because number one rule of crypto is don't store your seed phrase on your phone or anywhere online don't ever do it <laughs> don't ever do it hey don't do that um so I lost a, a bunch of thousands of pounds. I'm not going to tell you how much because it's fucking it'll pain my heart still, but lesson learned. So after about three days, I just, I calmed down and I thought it would help if I get this off my chest and tell a couple of people about it. So I told people who I knew would keep it absolutely private um, until I was ready to kind of confess to, to more people. What's going on? If you tell anyone about this, I'll fucking kill you. 
I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll come back by tonight. Okay. Um, and they did, which was, which was greatly appreciated. Um, but I'm rebuilding. I'm building back better, as these gross politicians say. Um, but luckily, there was a dip in the market. And I started buying back before the uplift uh, kind of fully took hold. But one thing I will say about crypto, and I'm not an expert, which is why I want to get uh, this guy Tim on uh, to talk about crypto in a few weeks time. I'm not an expert, right? But for me, it's just, it's one of those things that's inevitable. It's one of those things that provides a path for normal people to have, you know, have a chance at succeeding where other, other areas of investment are, like if you look at Wall Street, right? And you look at like stock markets, and investing in companies these these market makers manipulate the market both way for their own favor you can't call it you can't call it at all and maybe there's some of that happening to a degree in the crypto space but i just feel that what it offers for the individual is so powerful and so unique that it is it's inevitable that it's going to be the future. If you think about the fact that over 2 billion people in the world don't have access to basic banking, this solves that. Because when you have social media companies handing out mobile phones and mobile infrastructure being built all across places like Africa and other places um, that are underdeveloped, this is going to be their first introduction to finance. They're not going to reference the old system because they don't know it. They'll know Bitcoin. They'll know Ethereum. They'll know Cardano. They'll know things like this. And they'll use them. So even though I've lost all this money and I've had to now rebuild back to a place where I was and then continue from there, part of me from time to time think thought, man, is it even worth getting back into or have I missed the boat on this? But then I talk to people about crypto and people who I sometimes would almost assume would have investment in crypto because of either the job they do or the person they are, or the kind of mindset they have, things they're interested in. And I'm oftentimes surprised that they have no investment or very, very small levels of investment in it. And that gives me reassurance that we haven't missed the boat. And I suppose that's one of the things, right? If you're, if you're, if you're actively doing something, but you think you're late, a lot of times you're not. The momentum I believe on cryptocurrency has barely gotten started. So anybody that wants to get involved, keep an eye out for uh, the podcast I'm going to do in a couple few weeks time, and I'll announce it more closer to the time. Keep an eye out because this guy, he's, he was on a friend's podcast, Brooke, who I mentioned earlier. Um, he was on Brooke's podcast uh, last year or early this year. And really good guy, really good conversation, really insightful and informative. And I want to bring that, converse, that, that sort of information to you guys as well, because I think it's valid. And I think it's vital that we understand what this ecosystem is, how it operates and what the opportunities are within it. Because even though I got stung, that was on me. If I hadn't have been so careless and however that happened, then I'd be up to the point now where I'd be thinking, well, I could withdraw some of this and use it as a down payment on a house. 
it's it's literally that lucrative if you're doing it correctly and i just want to see where it goes because again we live in a digital world it's inevitable that money is going to be digital we can't keep our financial our financial future and our financial health in the hands of banks who are corrupt and give us no return on investment for the money that they use to make billions and billions in profit, right? Like I said to you earlier, they'll give you a 0.1% savings account, inflation's going up 3%, but the money that they lend to you, they'll charge you 4 to 7% interest on. They don't have any money, by the way, right? Banks don't have any money, but in the T's and C's of the bank and their contracts with you, that money's theirs. You're effectively giving that money to them to then lend out and do what they want with. We don't want to be in a position where our money is in a place we can't get it out of. And if you want a reference, look at, look at 2008, when they shut the bank machines down in Cyprus. <clears throat> and that's just one example I can call off of. You can Google bank machines closed um, and you'll see. You'll see what's happened in the past. With inflation going the way it's going, and them not seeing any end in sight to the money printing that they're doing. It is in, it stands every possibility that this could happen to us. And if, and when that does happen, if you don't have your money in something that you own and you control and only you have access to, you will be at the will of whatever these power structures are and look at what they're doing to us. Now get all your health data in a COVID passport, we're going to start requiring social scoring systems. Surveillance is going higher. Privacy is going away. They want, to they want to erode all of your liberties so that you are totally under their control and they can tell you to do whatever they want whenever they have the whim to do it. So for me, crypto is a huge thing. I'm still gutted that I lost all that money, but I've fixed it. The mistake will not be repeated. And we'll just look to the future rather than looking to the past um, and these past uh, mistakes, let's say. So I think that's it for today, guys. I don't want to keep waffling. I said we we're going to talk about three things. We talked about that and tangented off into, uh, into other things as well. But I hope you've enjoyed the show. It's, um, you've probably seen that I've had like a smile on my face most of this episode because I'm just so happy to be doing this again. And I hope you guys are enjoying listening to it. And, and again, just a big thank you for everybody that did on the first episode back, episode 146, I think it was. Um, but yeah, we're back now and we're going to keep on coming and we're not going to hold anything back. Uh, maybe today was a bit of a tame one. I don't think so. But um, it's not the point to come out here and just throw hammers every time. But when there are things to address, we will address them. So that's it for now. Um, again, appreciate you guys listening. You can get us, as I said up front, you can get us at YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, you know, Spotify, wherever you get iTunes, wherever you get podcasts from an audio perspective, they're there. Um, and then obviously the video will be uh, on YouTube and then we'll share that on Facebook um, and Twitter as well. So at Quiet Part Loud is the handle for most things. Um, check us out. You can even go to qplpodcast.com. I, for, I forgot we have a website for this fucking thing too. Um, you could go to qpl.com. That's got not only all the episodes, but information about the show, information about me, and also uh, some blogs that I wrote, uh, have written 
and we'll continue to write as well. So we're all over the place, guys. Yeah. And now it's just about getting back into the flow, keeping it coming, keeping it fresh for you guys and, uh, and building the best show we can. So that's a wrap on episode 147. I'll definitely see you next week. Have a great weekend. <clears throat> if I put this out before the weekend and if not have a great week, if it comes out on Monday, it's just a one man show, right? I say we all the time, but it's just me. So um, have a great weekend and uh, take care of yourself, guys. Don't listen to the noise. Think for yourselves and, uh, and we'll see you next time. So my name's Daryl. I'm the host of this thing. This is the quiet part loud podcast. And uh, until next time, guys, all the best. Thank you.